morning, family. I um, hmm, just rolled in from Texas late last night and um, was going over my notes this morning. And, you know, while we were having intercession, prayer, worship, um, morning, noon, and night, all day long, pressing into this Pentecost weekend, and I know the church opened here for the first time its doors in a couple of months um, and this, this, this time, um, you know, we were having house fires where the Holy Spirit came and visited us in a really powerful, uh, mighty, manifested way. And while the house fires were coming into our house meetings and gatherings that we were have, our Jesus gatherings, the whole world outside of those house gatherings were having fires as well of a different kind. I was amazed to come to my notes this morning that I had written before all of this, the rioting, everything that's taken place and, and even um, you know, uh, the, the death of, of Floyd and looking at what the Lord had prepared for us. Uh, for this morning, for the times that we find ourselves in right now. And I was blown away by the goodness of the Lord. And I believe right now that it's going to be able to give us some directions, some action steps, a peace that surpasses understanding. So come with me before the throne room of grace and mercy right now. Father God, we just praise you. We thank you. We love you. As I walked in this morning and was talking to Hector, one of the sound guys, it was, how are you doing? And, you know, okay. And Jesus is on the throne. The Lord God Almighty is on the throne. And he responded, yes, the Lord is on the throne. And then he finished with, and no one and nothing will or can take him off of that throne. So Lord God, right now, we just... We just come before you and we ask in these times, Lord, we need to hear the word of the Lord. We need the, the rhema word to come out of the logos right now to minister to every heart, to minister to every mind, to minister to, to what's going on in the world. What, what, what times are we living in? What, what are we supposed to be doing? And to settle us, the Prince of Peace, so, Lord God, we just pray right now that our hearts would be open to you. We, as the church, would hear, as the family of God, what you're speaking by your spirit to your church in these times. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Amen. So this last week, we were supposed to be going over Obadiah and then uh, going into the first half of Ezekiel. So we're going to be covering that this morning. Now, Obadiah, which I wasn't too familiar with, I must admit, I've read it before, but it really opened up in this last week's study. Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament. Um, it's a series of divine judgments, and they come kind of in the form of poems, and they're against Edom. And you're sitting in your living room right now or wherever you are saying, why do I care about Edom? And we will bring that home. This is a timely word. Obadiah has a message for us right now. Edom is not just Israel's neighbors across on the other side of the Dead Sea, but they're actually related. They're related to the Israelites. 
Remember, you had Abraham and Sarah, and they have their promised son, Isaac. Isaac then has two sons. Uh, you have Jacob and you have Esau. These brothers were later called Israel. Jacob would be called Israel. And then Esau would actually be called Edom. And, and they represented the families that then would come forth from their lineage, from their generations. So you have Edom from Esau and you have Israel uh, coming out of, of Jacob and his line. So these two groups continued um, in, you know, as brothers in this strained relationship. You can go back and look at their original relationship and the things that were going on between them. And as the centuries went, or as the time goes on, it continues to play out through the generations, through Israel, through Edom, even though they're related. When Israel was invaded and actually conquered by Babylon, the people of Edom took advantage and they plundered uh, other Israelite cities and even captured and killed uh, Israelite refugees. And so the Lord is seeing all of this. And God would hold the Edomites accountable for how they treated Israel. So in verse 15, um, in this short little book though, and this is the interesting part, the language shifts in Obadiah. It shifts and it reads, quote, the day of the Lord is near against all nations. So we're going from now Edom and shifting into all nations. It goes on in verse 16 through 21 to not just talking only about Edom anymore, but again, quote, all nations, all the nations of the world, like Edom would all face God's judgment just like we see placed in these poems, these judgments coming by the prophet of the Lord for his time. So then like all the prophets, it streams us fast forward into the future and a day still yet to come, that great day of the Lord. They will fall from their prideful heights and they will come to ruin. Um, Obadiah here, he, what he's doing is he's teaching you and me. He's teaching us. Uh, by, by God giving him these words, using Edom in their pride, and then the fall as an example of what will happen to all prideful nations and their ultimate fall. Their place of high, where they're in a place of high, they get brought down from their pride and humbled by the Lord and judged for the things that they are doing. Edom uses um, some Hebrew letters that were used uh, for, um, so that word Edom. It actually uses Hebrew letters used for the word humanity. Um, in Hebrew, it's Adam, Adam. So Edom, Adam. So now you have Edom and that play on words right here using those original Hebrew letters and it becomes humanity. God's justice will oppose prideful nations on the great day of the Lord. But then, the goodness, the kindness, the mercy of the Lord always comes into all of the prophets and all of their words because God never ends on that note with his prophets, does he? As we see over and over again as we are going through his prophets, he always brings hope. Joel, the prophet said, all who humble themselves and call upon the name of the Lord will be delivered. And if that is not a message 
for us to hear in this day and in this hour. Amos, the prophet, lets us know in chapter 9, verses 11 through 15, God is going to restore David's line. And listen to this. It includes Edom and all the nations in his kingdom that are called by his name. There's a remnant that he's always pulling out. There is always redemption and hope in Jesus. And the message is those who are prideful will be humbled and judged, but those who humble themselves before the sight of the living God and actually repent and turn, he brings into his kingdom that will last forever and ever and has no end. In Obadiah, verse 17 through 21, he lets us know that God will restore God's kingdom over Jerusalem. He's going to repopulate it with a faithful remnant. And I'm always looking for that remnant. God is calling out to his remnant right now. There's even a separation that's taking place in the church right now and all of this shaking that's taking place. It's, it's popping to the surface. There's those that are being sensitive. They're being matured. They're learning the voice of God. They're learning to quickly obey. And that's you right here in this Bible study, that remnant, that remnant, faithful remnant and how God's kingdom will actually expand to the nations that surround Israel. So big picture, we see from Obadiah that we, the nations of the world, are like Edom, and we are full of pride. Humanity, we betray each other. We hurt one another. And God is going to deal with those nations. He's going to deal with those hearts. He's going to bring justice to the world that is desperate and crying out right now as the riots and the fires rage. He will bring justice to the nations of the world and the pride, and he will judge the injustice. But he brings his kingdom and he brings his healing I was talking to my son last night, Isaac, who is adopted from Uganda, Africa, after getting off the plane, coming home from Texas. And we were talking about all the things that are taking place right now. And, you know, looking at his heart and saying, Lord, what is, what is, where do we go? And, and Sean had already talked to him this week while I've been gone. There's been lots of prayer lots of talking, lots of discussion, lots of hard things being spoken about, none of which were new in our home at all, um, but where we're at right now. And so a mama's heart, not just wanting to comfort, but to give this really man now, you know, he's 16, he's giant if you've seen him. Um, I look like a little kid next to him. Um, but with this sweet, pure little boy heart, and he has been in a family of love and where those things within our home do not exist. And the Lord started just speaking through my heart and I could hear his words. And it was, this is wrong. What happened to Floyd is wrong. And it is not okay. And that is not the first time. And it's not just between black and white. It is all different races, all different creeds. It's even nations against nations. It's the sexes even being divided. All of these things have been. 
And ultimately, what the answer is, is Jesus. And that is the thing that the Lord told me, and I started just speaking over my son, whose heart is watching all these things and breaking, and, and another son asking me, are you gonna protest, mom? And, and so we're talking about this in our home, in our living room last night. And, and, and so, you know, the Lord goes, tell him the story of this week, Annie. So I'm gonna tell you the story of what happened in one of these house meetings. Um, one of uh, the, the house pastors, um, who is a dear, dear friend now, love him. He was actually, um, he's a white man. He was in prison for 20 years. Through living through that time, um, sides are picked in order for survival. Division is cast. I mean, the enemy works overtime, obviously, in lockdown, 20 years. And across his chest, he has tattooed white pride across his collarbone right here. So I'm telling this story to my family last night. Now this man has come and been humbled. He has repented. He has come to the foot of the cross. He is broken over his sin. He is broken over his past. And now he is washed in the blood of Jesus, covered, covered by the blood of Jesus. And he is a new person. I, God has put a new heart into my friend. He is a different changed person from the inside out. And he is filled with the spirit of the living God. And everything that he speaks about is about Jesus and about the kingdom and about restoration and reconciliation and how there's hope and how no one is past the love and the grace and the mercy of God and nothing that you have done is greater and more powerful than the blood of the lamb of Jesus Christ and his death and then his resurrection and new life that he wants to give to every human on the face of the earth, all of his kids. And so we're there and there's all different people coming together in these house meetings, uh, you know, uh, um, there were the, the Mexicans, there were Brazilians, actually. There were, you know, they're black, there was white, there was all the different, I mean, every, you know, Asian, all over, all coming into the all different ages, from little tiny four-year-olds to an 82-year-old man, coming together as a family. And um, one of uh, the guys was a state trooper, and the Lord on Sunday morning really spoke to his heart and he was broken over the things that he was seeing and especially as a state trooper. And he comes to the front of the room in the circle as we're meeting and waiting on the Lord, worshiping the Lord, crying out to God, interceding. And he actually says that, you know, he brings up one of the pastors and he grabs him uh, you know, by the shoulders. And he was a, um, a black man. So, and, and he himself is Brazilian and, and saying that this is family. This is the kingdom of God where there is no division. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just took over and very sweetly, um, you had, um, uh, my friend who has white pride tattooed from his old life that is now dead because he's a new creation in Christ. And literally a bowl, he brings a bowl and he sits down, um, his friend, who is a, a black pastor, sits him down in the chair and takes off his shoes and starts washing his feet. 
that's the message. That is the answer. And our message right now, because everything is happening at once, everything is exploding. People have been locked in their homes, jobs are gone. You see something like that on TV and anger flares and rages up and I don't blame them. Because if you don't have God and the hope of the King who's coming again, who's going to bring justice for all injustice, who's going to restore all things, whoever stays in their pride apart from Him will be judged on that great day. And then He will rule and reign. And He who is the Prince of Peace will restore all things and bring peace to the world. If you don't have that message and you don't know that kind of love, then things are gonna be exploding and you're going to be infiltrated by demonic forces that wanna bring us into division and make us focused on all these things and your message can get turned so quickly. And the Lord goes, tell your son, tell your son, the answer is Jesus. The hope is Jesus. It is the kingdom of God that we bring. It is love manifested first towards us in the cross of Jesus Christ, the new heart given to us and us walking it out in love and demonstrating it. Right now, I have a group of friends that uh, as a riot is planned, or I should say a protest is planned um, in our neighborhood, and they're walking that area. It's supposed to start in the afternoon. They're walking the area and gathering as the family of God, the children of God together and praying over that area. You know, we did that when we were doing Ecclesia. You're the church. The Spirit of the living God lives inside of you. This is the time for the church to rise up. And the way that we speak, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Don't get your message off. We cannot walk in man's wisdom. We cannot walk in man's ways because as right as they sound, the enemy will take those things and shift you and you go left of center. The only answer is Jesus. The only answer is the gospel. The only way that a man who has white pride written across his collarbone can sit at the feet of a black man and wash his feet and embrace with tears rolling down both of their faces. And the power of God filled that room like you couldn't believe. And then it happened with the generations too. There was an 82 year old black man who's been praying for revival to come and he, he was sat down and his feet were washed. At the, it was powerful. This is the message. This is the language. These are our action steps. This is what you need to be talking about in your homes and in your families right now. Because one of the things that I want my kids to understand is we just rolled through Corona right now. It's still somewhere lingering, but now the riots and the, the chaos and this thing has gone as far as New Zealand, I heard right now. The world is on fire. We have economic collapse. We have uh, talks of all these things. And here's the deal. It's not going to stop. So the answer is not to be looking at all these things that are happening and exploding around you where you're completely overwhelmed or caught off going left of center because you're distracted by this over here. The king is coming back. He's coming back very soon. I had a conversation, Miles McPherson from The Rock called me right before 
uh, we were doing our connecting flight to go to College Station. We just landed in Dallas. And the timing of it was really amazing because he's like, why are you in Texas? And so I started to talk to him about the Zusa Street revival and how, uh, you know, um, and my dad, I believe, talked about it this weekend. But, you know, a, a black man, a one-eyed man, uh, you know, who was a preacher, was sent from Texas to Azusa because he got the burden of the Lord and, and the message and the power of the kingdom alive in you, in me, and Azusa Street Revival breaks out. And one of the quotes that I love and I got to tell him was that the color line was washed away in that revival, washed away. It didn't exist anymore, no separation anymore. That color line was washed away by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ. And then everyone saw each other for who they really are, made in the image and the likeness of our one father, a family. And that was a hundred years ago. So racism, injustice, all of these things, they have been, and they are not okay. They are from the pit of hell. It is sin. It will be judged. God says, vengeance is mine, and he will bring a recompense. But what is our job as the church, our focus? And if we're getting kind of running this way and that, and we don't know what to, we're gonna be overwhelmed. We're gonna lose our message. We're gonna lose our power that we're supposed to be bringing. We are salt, we are light, we have hope, and we bring the gospel. And that is the answer. That is the only answer to, to break systemic racism. It is a changed heart in a person where literally that heart, that stony heart becomes a heart of flesh and God starts writing his laws on your heart and your mind and you become a new person, a new man, part of the body of Christ. And you start seeing people the way that he sees people and you have forgiveness because you've received it and you can walk in it and you can give it away over and over and over again, even if it's not reciprocated because you've been loved with a great love. So this was happening while we were in Texas. Um, and after sharing that message with my family, I looked at my son and where there was kind of torment and chaos and confusion and lots of angst, peace, Peace came into the room. The Prince of Peace came into the room. The Prince of Peace settled my son's heart and my son's mind. And you could see a physical manifestation of the peace, the Prince of Peace that was hovering and touching and healing and speaking and ministering to my son. That's what we need. That's the message. Keep it clear. Keep it simple. Don't deter from our real hope, our answer. It's Jesus, it's the gospel, it's the kingdom. Don't let this thing get muddied. Know the time that you live in. This will not be the last shaking. You need to start to understand how to abide with that Prince of Peace, no matter what is going on around you. Be still and know that I am God. And just breathe that in. Be still and know that I am God. Just like I was talking to Hector before I preached. He's on the throne. He told us all these things would come to pass. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. 
child of God. Remember God with me now. We're going to end in Ezekiel. Ezekiel, Ezekiel, who was a priest who lived in Jerusalem during the time the Babylonians attacked. Talk about fires. Talk about chaos. Talk about destruction. Ezekiel lived through it. The Babylonians coming and attacking. At first, the city was spared with the first wave of Israelites uh, going off, being taken as prisoners, taken captive into Babylon, exiled. And Ezekiel was in that first wave. So here he is now in Babylon as a captive. And the book starts five years later after that first captivity. And Ezekiel is sitting there on the bank of the river in Babylon. And it's his 30th birthday. And the thing that's significant and why the scriptures let us know that is that this would be the time and the year, the right age, 30, that Ezekiel would have been installed as a priest in Jerusalem. But instead, he's here sitting on the riverbank as a captive in exile outside of Jerusalem in a foreign land in Babylon. And we'll start with chapter one. He says, and the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Bazi in the land of Chaldeans by the river of Kibar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. I believe that the Lord right now wants to start you understanding that he wants to put his hand upon you for such a time as this. To know that you've been called like an Esther for such a time as this that I would be preaching Obadiah and Ezekiel for such a time as this. Your life is on purpose. We looked at that with Jeremiah. You've been called and set apart from before you were even knit together in your mother's womb. The Lord has purpose and plan and destiny, and I'm always going to be bringing you to that place because the enemy is trying to distract and distort what that is right now, and it's very loud. So we need to always come back to this. Ezekiel used that phrase, the hand of the Lord was upon me. Was, it was upon him seven times. You keep coming up against that, that phrase right there. May the hand of the Lord be upon you. May the hand of the Lord be upon your family. May the hand of the Lord be upon this church, the ecclesia in this time, Lord God. It says, and I looked and behold, a whirlwind. This is what Ezekiel is seeing as the hand of the Lord comes upon him because we're going to focus on Jesus now. We're going to focus on the king who's seated on the throne right now. So here he goes. I looked and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north and a cloud and a fire that was enfolding itself. You ever look at a fire and how it kind of laps over and it rolls? So this is the picture. Right now, you need to ask the Holy Spirit to give you, we're going to have sanctified imagination. He's going to be describing things and you need to put yourself into Ezekiel's place. And as he describes them, I want you to imagine what he is describing. The Bible speaks many times of God being covered with a cloud, covered with clouds of glory that surround him. So in Ezekiel, when God came down and spoke also, I'm sorry, Exodus, in Exodus, this is so beautiful. Uh, when God comes down and he speaks with Moses, there was a cloud of God's glory and it actually comes and descends and covers all of Mount Sinai when he came down. 
And the fire was there in that scene also coming out at Mount Sinai. Now back into our scripture. And there was a brightness about it and out of its midst was the color of amber. So now you start seeing that picture of amber. Also out of the middle thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. So in the middle of all this cloud and fire that's unfolding over on itself and that beautiful amber color, now in the midst we see these four living creatures. So start building the picture. See the fire that's unfolding. See the cloud and it's God's glory that comes around him. Now I want you to start to end the color amber, okay? Then you start seeing the four creatures. He's going to describe these living creatures. I want you to picture these things. They're looked in appearance. They looked in appearance like a man, but every one of them had four faces and four wings and their feet were straight and the sole of their feet was like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like the color of the burnished brass. So we've got the four faces. We have the sole of their feet actually going straight and it looks like, like uh, the calf's hooves right there. You have the wings that are coming out. And now we're gonna keep going in this description. Okay. Um, Oh, and that the color of burnished brass, they're sparkling like the color of burnished brass. So human language, this is what Ezekiel is seeing, this heavenly vision from God as the hand of the Lord is upon him. And he's sitting there in Babylon and all of a sudden the Lord opens this up for him to see. And he's using human language to describe something heavenly, other or worldly, um, as something that he's never seen before. And they have the hands of a man under their wings and on their four sides. And they had their faces and their wings and their wings were joined to the other. And they turned not when they went. They went everywhere straight forward. So you got a picture. This is the movement that they make. Now, John in the book of Revelation uh, chapter four also had a vision of the throne of God. And he also saw the four living creatures that Ezekiel is describing here by Ezekiel. So John describes them very similarly in Revelation. Ezekiel goes on and he describes them again in chapter 10, as you keep reading um, through the book of Ezekiel. And he sees them in chapter 10, these same living creatures. And he tells us that these four living creatures are um, actually called cherubim. Cherubim. Um, you know, we hear of cherub angels and they always paint them as fat little babies with diapers on and baby wings. This is uh, not the, what the cherubim look like. It's being described here. They are a created and intelligent being that God has made and they surround the throne of God. So your picture of what the throne of God looks like when you're going into prayer or you're going into worship or you're going into, you need to see what God actually has given to us. The literal throne of God looks like. They're surrounding that throne. In Revelation, we are told they cease not day and night. So this is what they speak saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God almighty who was, and is, and is to come. 
This then ties into the instructions that were given to Moses on the building of the tabernacle. Uh, this is just beautiful. See, the Lord doesn't want us to get to heaven and be surprised. In fact, He wants us to have heavenly visitations right now where we go into the throne of God. Remember, you and I are seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places right now. So just like Ezekiel got to experience this, John gets to experience this. We'll look at even Daniel gets to experience this. The Lord wants us to actually start having heavenly visitations where we go into that throne room of grace and mercy where you are known by name and welcomed even now, but you don't make up what it looks like. The Lord has told us what the literal place looks like. And so here you have this model that Moses was given in the building of the tabernacle. It tells us in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, that it was a model of heaven. The tabernacle, the instructions that Moses was given, it was a model of heaven. So the tabernacle is just a model of the real thing, and the real thing is in heaven. In the tabernacle, you go into the Holy of Holies, and there is a model of the throne of God in heaven. It's described, they, they actually got to make it by the instructions of the Lord. Moses was told to have these cherubim made of gold above, listen to this, the mercy seat, the mercy seat of God. And their wings touched each other, the edges of their wings, and it was inside of this golden room. So again, a model on this earth, a picture of what the real throne of God looks like, the reality of it in heaven. As for the likeness of their faces, the four had a face of a man and the face of a lion, and on the right side, and they had the face of an ox. And on the left side, they also had the face of an eagle. So he's describing the faces that he saw, the four faces of these winged creatures. Four faces. Now, I believe um, that this, and it's taught many times, some believe, I believe that it is describing the four gospels. They describe Jesus Christ, different aspects of who he is and why he came. And, and so Christ is described as the son of man in Luke. So you have the man's face as one of the pictures here. Mark's gospel, he's described as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Matthew, he is described as the servant. And there you have the picture of the ox and the, the beast um, of service. And then in John, Jesus is highlighted in his deity and you have the, the picture of the, the eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings were stretched upward, two wings of everyone were joined to one another and then covered their bodies. And they went everywhere straight forward, whether the spirit was to go, wherever the spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not where they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire and like the appearance of lamps and it went up and down among the living creatures. So all of these things being described taking place. It says, and the fire was bright and out of the fire came lightning and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. So now it's describing the very movement of uh, these cherubim right here. So their movement was like a lightning bolt that flashes across the night sky. And it goes in that straight, you know, direction, quickly moving back and forth, like when you see lightning flash. And, and 
Okay, so as I beheld the living creatures, behold one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces and the appearance of the wheels and their work was likened to the color of burl. So burl is the color actually green. So now you need to see there's, there's flashing in movement. You've got the faces, you've got the wings, you've got the fire enfolding itself. You have the cloud that is surrounding. All these descriptions, now you have the color burl in their green. And they four have one likeness in their appearance and their work was as it were wheel within the middle of a wheel. So this is what Ezekiel is seeing and he is trying as best as he can to describe it. Um, and you need to start to imagine the things that he's talking about, the colors that he's seeing, the movement that he's talking about. And when they went, they went upon their four sides and they turned not when they went. So he keeps mentioning this. I think it was just fascinating to Ezekiel. Like, wow, we already read that, Ezekiel. But picture if you were seeing this as the hand of the Lord is upon you. And so he keeps describing it because he is so amazed and in wonder. As for their wings, they were so high, it was dreadful, he says. It was awesome to him. Uh, they had eyes all around about them. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whitherever they went and the spirit was to go, they went. And thither was their sight to go and the wheels were lifted up over against them for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheel. When those went, they went. When those stood, they stood still. When they were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. And then he repeats, for the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. And the likeness of the firmament above their heads, upon their heads of the living creatures, was the color of an awesome crystal. So now this is above them. An awesome crystal stretched forth over their heads above. Now, you know, my, my son, the Lord's just speaking to me right now. Uh, right now, what the enemy wants us to do is just have the news on Instagram, Twitter, 24-7. For that to be feeding yourself on right now in this time as things are breaking out constantly. Uh, the fear-mongering, the messaging, the images, uh, all of this, and to be just devouring this. This is what the enemy wants. My, my son on his phone watching this, just continually this is, watching that message. And what I think the Lord is saying right here is, and we brought him downstairs and we talked about these things, is the Lord goes, you need to be aware of what is going on. You are to be salt and light. But the thing that you are to be feeding yourself child of God is on the word of God. And you need to see the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to see the throne of God. You need to see him seated on the throne of God. You need to know what the throne of God looks like. You need to know about the cherubim. These are the things that you need to be feeding yourself on in this time. If you want the Prince of Peace to actually rule and reign and you stay in abiding in that fellowship, in that koinonia with him so that you don't just basically survive these moments, but you actually start to become the sons of God that are revealed that the earth is waiting for in these times. So he's describing the area around the throne of God. These creatures were under the throne of God. John in Revelation saw a sea of glass like a crystal that was there before the throne of God. So he describes the very thing that Ezekiel is seeing in Revelation 4, and it parallels with this vision of Ezekiel. And what John saw, he was trying to describe it, that heavenly scene of the glory of God. 
and the throne of God. Um, and again, all of this in human terms. And under the firmament were their wings straight, one towards the other, and every one had two, which they covered their side. Everyone had two, which covered the sides of their bodies. And when they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of great waters. So now it's giving us sounds. We've got pictures, we've got movement, um, we've got placement, you know, above and below, and now we have sounds. Uh, the great waters, like a roar of rushing water and then flashing lightning-like movement that's going on as the voice of the Almighty, as the noise of a host when they stood and they let down their wings. So, and as they're repeating, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Picture this. When they stood, their wings would come down by their side the expanse above their head, the firmament above them that was over their, their heads when they stood and had let down their wings and above the firmament that was over their head was the likeness of a throne. Now we're gonna get a picture of the very throne of God that he sits on. It says, as the appearance of a sapphire throne, blue, sapphire, and upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man upon it. And I saw the color of amber as the appearance of fire round about and within it. And from the appearance of his loins and even upward, the appearance of his loins downward. I saw as it were the appearance of fire as it had been brightness round about and the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on a day of rain. So like a rainbow, right? So was the appearance of brightness round about him. So this is describing the blue throne uh, that he sits on, sapphire. And then what he was like, and it's like this fire at, from, from waist down and waist up. And then what was surrounding him, this bow he's talking about, the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one that spoke. So if you want to look at more visions um, of the reality of the throne of God, you want to go and look at and write this down, Daniel 7, 9, and 10, as he describes his vision of God. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6, we talked about that when we went through Isaiah, and he describes his vision of the throne of God. Get familiar with the throne of God. Um, uh, we, we, he is coming again soon. Know how awesome your God is. Revelation 4, John describes this throne room scene. And when we start to put all of these visions together through the prophets, where the hand of the Lord would come upon them so they could see into that realm, that vision of God and his glory on the throne, we get to put those pieces together and get a pretty good, thorough idea of what the actual throne of God is like in that room. Um, and that bow that's described by John in Revelation 4, it's described here, it's emerald in color. That was what was coming around him, round about as he sits on that throne, that throne of God. And every time that you get a vision of God, you watch the prophets, a real visitation, a real touch of God, a real time when the hand of the Lord comes upon you always results in this. John falls on his face. Daniel 
He's literally weakened by the vision of what he saw and the glory and the power and the awe of God Almighty. He's weakened. Ezekiel falls on his face. And this is the thing that the Lord wanted to give to you timely for this moment that we find ourselves in right now. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you um, that like a good dad, Abba, Daddy, Father, you're inviting all of your kids into your throne room right now mm. to see you high and lifted up like Ezekiel saw, to remember when it seems like the whole world is exploding around us. You told us, you told us, you foretold these things through your prophets. Jesus spoke of these days. We know the time and the season that we live in. We know that these are the birth pains and they're just gonna get greater. But we also know ultimately that you are coming again. The second coming of Jesus Christ to judge all pride, to judge injustice, to, to bring us back where we understand that we're all made in your image and your likeness to heal our land, to heal the division as the Prince of Peace. So Lord God, let us see you on that throne right now to remember that we would humble ourselves, that we would quiet ourselves, that we would see that vision, we would feed ourselves on your word so that, Lord God, we actually could participate with you in this time and bring the only thing that will bring healing, that will be the only thing that can change a man's heart from the inside out, Lord God, to bring your gospel, your love, your power, to demonstrate it to the world that needs it right now. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, I will see you next Tuesday. And we are finishing the book of Ezekiel next week for your reading. So finish reading through Ezekiel and praying for you. Love you. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>